Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. God is good. There's always hope. Clean hands are happy hands. And today is a wonderful day to show kindness to those around us. Lord, I want to worship you today by offering a sacrifice of thanks. Thanks for all the blessings that you give me daily. We're going to have a wonderful show. Dr. Everett Piper is going to be joining me in just a minute. And then Pastor Adam Weber, all the way from Sioux Falls, from his home office, will be uh, talking to us as well. And then in hour two, Beverly Canaris will be with me. We're going to talk about the way of the cross. It's going to be a great day. I'm so glad you're with me, and I hope your day is going well. Whatever you've got on your plate today, God will give you the strength to do it. That is a promise. All right, let's take a little break and then bring on Dr. Piper. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, your quadriplegic friend, who is at high risk for this coronavirus. But Christians are people of hope. As Hebrews chapter 10 puts it, quote, We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith. Look, when times are at their worst, Christ calls his followers to be at their best. And why not? If God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, not even this virus. So, friends, if people in your neighborhood are full of fear or pessimism, do not shrink back. Wear your faith in Christ on the outside, and please share your hope with people like me in your community, the disabled, medically fragile, and elderly. And if you need encouraging words, tune in every day to Johnny and Friends on this station, or listen at johnnyradio.org, where we love sharing hope through every hardship. today. So glad to have you with me and great to have this time together. Dr. Everett Piper is my guest. He's the former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University and he's a columnist now for the Washington Times and author of Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. Everett, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on, Bill. Yeah. So does every brain cell you've got right now go to thinking about this uh, pandemic that's uh, racing around the world? Aren't you sick of it? (laughs) I'm so sick of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just so tired of talking about it. Can we, is there anything else going on in the world? And I fear that the more we just continue to feed this monster, the bigger the monster gets. Uh, I'm not not suggesting it's a hoax. I'm not a virus denier, but I am suggesting that our reaction to it could indeed be worse than the actual biology of the disease itself. Let's uh, let's start off on a happy note, just for fun, and talk about just the way that you know we. You wrote a great article in the Washington Times on neutralizing COVID uh, hysteria with faith and kindness toward neighbors. I think it's a great topic and something we can start all doing effective today. Well, I wrote that uh, piece a couple weeks ago, and I um, and I used the example of um, um, the reaction during the uh, pandemic 
Spurgeon's reaction to the uh, uh, cholera pen, I think, of 1854, if my memory is right. I'm not looking at the article right yeah, now, but where yeah. Spurgeon walked, walked into the midst of a cholera epidemic, a cholera pandemic at the time, and he showed the love, the confidence, the courage, the boldness, mm-hmm. the fortitude of Christ in the midst of disaster. He did not wring his hands and run the other direction. He, he stiffened his spine and, and, and balled his fists and ran into the storm rather than away from the storm. And he tells the story about how he felt weary and weakened at one point of his uh, ministry to those that were fearful and dying in the midst of this pandemic. But yet, as he relied on God rather than himself, he actually felt himself strengthening for the cause. So the point of the story is, this is our opportunity. And in fact, I will quote Rahm Emanuel, Barack Obama's chief of staff, whom I don't share much in common with. But when he said, never let a good crisis go to waste, don't let the left steal the good ideas from us. That, yes, is an idea that was presented by the political left, but that doesn't mean it's a bad idea. They've just co-opted it. We should never let a good crisis go to waste. The Christian should be the first one to embrace the crisis, to run into the crisis, to take advantage of the crisis for the cause of Christ. That is our charge. We should not let this go to waste. We should show the world that we are the hands, we are the mouth, we are the eyes, we are the body of Christ and we have courage. We are steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We are strong and courageous. We are not afraid. That is the message we should be showing the world right now. I agree, Everett. And 170 years later, we're still talking about the Spurgeon guy. Yeah. <laughs> this is a guy that had confidence in Christ. Yes. This is a guy who he was a golden orator. He was gifted, and he used his gifts for the kingdom and we remember him today, and like you said, we're still talking about him with a smile on our face and with thanks for the example he set for us. Yeah, so how do we re- rely on God versus ourselves in in these times? Because, you know, what Spurgeon did was awfully bold and courageous, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be the same, but we need to be careful and we need to be wise, but also we need to rely on God and not ourselves. Spurgeon was a man of the Bible. He was a man of Scripture. Spurgeon washed himself daily in the Word of God. He knew where his confidence lied. So how do we do it? We need to jump back into the Scriptures, up to our eyeballs, and have confidence in the Word, not only in the Word that's written on those pages, but the Word made flesh and dwelling among us. That confidence comes from being immersed in the revelation of God. Yeah. Everett, I don't want to tell a former college president how to use his telephone, but make sure you're talking right into the mouthpiece because it's getting a little blurry a little blurry on this end. All right, let's talk about information in general as we are processing information and we are hearing things uh, for hours on end uh, with the news cycle. How are we to, uh, to wisely gather information about what we're hearing? And I know that some officials that you've talked about in your column uh, have dismissed positive information about the coronavirus. Well, I'm disturbed. Even I'm going to challenge our own right now, Bill, the church, the body of Christ, the pastors out there. Because even in my own little uh, Facebook and social media communi- community of some, let's just say, 20,000 people, um, there's a lot of virus shaming going on. What do I mean by that? Anybody who dares to raise his hand and ask a question, 
and say, is it really that bad? Should we revisit the numbers? Shouldn't we consider the good news as well as the bad? Can we accept the fact that there is light at the end of the tunnel? Anybody who asks these questions or anybody who is constructively critical is immediately virus-shamed. We are accused of being typhoid Mary Mm -hmm. and somehow being biological deniers. That's not fair, and that is ideological fascism rather than intellectual freedom. We should have the freedom to ask good questions. And I think doing so is a welcome reprieve from the constant drumbeat of the, of the media, the mainstream media that wants to always go after the negative. We know that. That's the nature of the beast. And therefore, let's look for the total picture and the positive news that's there, too, and not let political power win. Let's go after the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, if you will. And that's what will set us free. I love that uh, wisdom, and I think right now, if you don't mind, I'm going to take a very short break. We'll be back with Dr. Everett Piper in just a minute. to Christ to nurture believers in their faith through Christ-centered media. And we can't do it without you on our team. Become a member of the Faith Radio support team today at MyFaithRadio.com and click on the Donate tab. Want to sponsor a day of on-air ministry? Become a day sponsor. When you do, we'll share your message honoring a loved one or celebrating a milestone on the air. Find out more at MyFaithRadio.com. That music should put a little happy in your day. It's a happy tune. Welcome back. Dr. Edward Piper is my guest, and we're chatting about what everyone else is chatting about in the world right now. <laughs> and Dr. Piper, it's, uh, if we look back on the models, on, on the modeling that was done, and it sounds like the uh, mortality rates were, uh, the models were kind of flawed, weren't they? Yeah, at one time we were being um, told that there could be 2 million deaths. And now it's been revised to 100 to 200,000. And again, I don't want anybody listening to say I'm denying that the virus exists. I am not. But what I am suggesting is everything needs to be digested in context. And those that are asking us to review these things in context and consider the possibility that the news is better rather than worse, we should not be shamed. We should not be silenced. We should not be accused of being typhoid Mary. We should actually be welcome at the table so that we can have a good, robust exchange of ideas that will lead us to the truth. You know, I've had this concern over silencing the opposing view for decades, and it's been in my industry of the academy. We've shut down the contrary view repeatedly. We have shamed those that want to come into the ivory tower with a conservative view with a thoughtful view, with an optimistic view, we've shamed them and we've silenced them and we've run them off out of our campuses. We shouldn't be doing that now in the church. We should welcome an open, robust debate and exchange of ideas, forcing people to go back and support themselves with data, with information that's accurate, and not just hyperbole and exaggeration. 
When you look at some of the uh, personal freedoms that are getting encroached on, I'm looking at some stories like in San Diego, some citizens might face a $1,000 fine for standing at the beach and watching the sunset. And, and one of the questions I've asked repeatedly, Bill, is, is uh, life and liberty, um, are they both? I should say, are life and liberty both paramount values within the American system? We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, and among those are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness or human purpose. So if those are unalienable rights, are we willing to defend our liberty just as robustly as we are in preserving our life? Are the words of Patrick Henry, for example, give me liberty or give me death, important to us? Or have we decided just because we're afraid of getting sick that we're going to reverse those words and say, I fear death, so take my liberty? These are important questions because we may wake up tomorrow and be in a very different country than we would. I think we just disappeared with Dr. Piper there for a minute, and that's uh, part of the joy of technology in this time when we're connecting with everybody on cell phones and Skype lines, and sometimes the connection isn't always as good as we would like, but we're going to try calling him back and see if we can't get him back on the line because he was really on a roll there, and he's uh, got such a good mind, and he is uh, hopefully be back on the program here in just a minute, but you know him uh, from being the former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. And Dr. Piper is now a columnist for the Washington Times. And he wrote um, an editorial for the Wall Street Journal that went viral and turned into a book called Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. So I think we have him back on the phone. We'll see if we can't reconnect here. Actually, the, the problem is I've got a mask on because I'm afraid of the virus through <laughs> the phone conversation. Okay. So I I'm losing it. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Uh, we, were, we were talking about the loss of freedom when you disappeared, and we don't want to do that. Well, I think I'm, I may repeat myself because I don't know when I dropped, but I was basically suggesting that our founding documents as a country say that we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, and those are life and liberty. So my question is, are we willing to live by the words of Patrick Henry? Give me liberty or give me death? Or are we flipping that on its head and suggesting, I fear death, so take my liberty? If that's where we are, we live in a very different country than we thought we lived in just five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a for me in my life, certainly the most profound experience I've, 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 I've had. And I'm, I'm wondering ever what you are seeing happen throughout all of this that you've seen as really positive and kind of uh, exciting. Well, I do think, um, when people are, there, there are no atheists in Fox Mm-hmm. So we're seeing a lot of people start to revisit the concept of mortality and when you look at the reality of the bombs, of the bullets, and of the biology of a, of a pandemic, all of a sudden your humility before the possibility of there being a creator starts to revive itself. So mm-hmm. one of the greatest positives is the body of Christ has an opportunity to speak into that foxhole, if you will. And it is uh, something as believers we need to be really paying attention to, because every time we have a conversation with whoever— 
we are in the presence of a person that's suffering in some capacity exactly what you're going through, and you've got common ground instantly. And sometimes that's uh, one of the hardest steps is just finding a common ground with somebody. How are you weathering this storm? How how are your your fa- how's your family doing? Do you have parents that are living? Are they isolated? You know, you can ask questions about their lives and get them engaged very quickly. Absolutely. And what I've done uh, with my own family, and I have some non-believers within the family. For example, this morning I, I just posted a beautiful moonlit sky from um, my farm, and I I attached to it the passage of psalms where it says that god created the moon and the darkness and the canopy and i posted a photo of this moonlit sky with a canopy of fog across my field i'm giving my brothers an opportunity to see scripture i'm not preaching to them i'm not condemning them i'm not uh, i'm just saying isn't this a beautiful reality of our existence god's in charge mm-hmm all right, I had a, a listener just chime in, and this listener said, um, maybe I I misunderstand the speaker. I don't think we are giving up our liberty by asking people to socially distance themselves because it is proven to work. I'm a nurse in healthcare in New York City, and we are above capacity with people infected with COVID-19. Every day people are dying. I think we should be able to watch the sunset at a beach as long as there is an acceptable distance between people. People are dying in my hospital every single day. We have uh, we have two tractor trailer trucks outside just for the dead. I understand that, and I would be arrogant to suggest that she's not in the on the front line of a storm. Of course, um, she may be misunderstanding me. Maybe I'm not communicating clearly. I think the body of Christ should lead on the issue of social distancing. For example. Um, the Apostle Paul tells us if eating meat offends my brother, then I shouldn't eat meat. Right. Well, if refusing to social distance offends my brother, then maybe I shouldn't refuse to social distance. That is humility as a member of the body of Christ. However, at the same time, I'm going to express that deference and humility to my brother who may be afraid of the disease. I'm going to scream from the high heavens that the government has no business telling me what I should or should not be doing as a church. I can have both. It's not either or. I can retain my constitutional freedoms, my freedom of worship, but I can also lead in humility because I know people are scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everett, another listener said, there's so many opinions right now during this crazy time. Uh, how I see it is to care about not harming others by our choices. I want to have an end to this, and I'm trying to do as I'm told. But what will happen when this is over is the creepy part. Well, and Bjorn Lomberg is a Danish economist who talks about the consequences, the economic consequences of political policy. And I think it's reasonable, and it's not heartless or cruel of me to ask this question. So if we do preserve the life the lives of individuals that may suffer the consequences of this virus, will we at the same time suffer greater human harm and greater loss of life through addiction, abuse, the loss of freedom, government largesse, a broken economy, 
poverty and hunger that comes from all of that, if we kill our economy and kill our constitutional freedoms, will we suffer greater human loss and agony and misery as a result of doing that than what we're doing now? That's not a bad question to be asking. In fact, there are economists out there that are screaming. The answer is yes. There is going to be tenfold, a hundredfold, the human devastation as a result of crushing the economy and crushing America as that of what we would suffer in our suffering at the hands of a disease. Uh, point well taken. Um, would, do you think it would be uh, wise to open up the country again back in pockets, uh, go, go to places that are not as uh, vulnerable, and obviously pay attention to the hotspots, but start to try to resume uh, some normal life in other parts of the country? I mean, you're, you're in, are you in Oklahoma right now? Yes. The yeah. answer is yes. And what's it like for and, you on the farm? Uh, I'm, I'm sitting, well, I'm out at the farm, so I'm, I'm, safe as, I'm safe as anybody could be out there. But I'm in a small town called Dewey, Oklahoma right now, and people are coming and going from the grocery store, and they're doing their normal business. My county has 35 cases and one death. That's it. Yeah. Now, it could get worse or it may plateau. But are we going to shut down and destroy every small business in Oklahoma? Are we going to produce 30, 40 percent unemployment in all of Oklahoma because a different area of the country or a different area of the world is suffering disproportionate consequences from this? Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. According to a lot of immunologists and epidemiologists, that doesn't make a lot of sense. We should actually be considering a more... Uh, a sensitive approach to various different communities and various different age groups and various different vulnerabilities than this blanket approach, which punishes and squashes and actually creates devastation for all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Piper, another listener, Terry, writes in and says, what worries me about the whole pandemic reaction is what the U.S. enemies are learning about the dictates of a bioweapon. Look what the restrictions of our freedom have done. They've totally tanked our economy. It's concerning on many levels. Oh, absolutely. If anybody thinks that our enemies are sitting back and smiling in amazement at how quickly we've been brought to our knees without firing a shot, if anybody thinks they're not watching and learning and paying attention to that, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Of course they are. Of course they are. And we need to have that conversation because if we don't, we have proven to the world that we will submit just because of the fear of illness. Yeah. And Everett, the um, listener from New York City, the nurse, she also wrote in again and said, thank you for asking the question to clarify my understanding. He brings up many good points. There's just so many unknowns. So thank you for making that clarification. Well, and thanks to her for being kind and receiving my comments without taking my head off, because unfortunately we live in a day the reaction is often much much less charitable. So yeah. thank you to your listeners. I have a lot of kind listeners. They're very, very sweet. I love them very much. <laughs> that, well, and that's one of them. Yeah. Um, thank, you so, thank you so much, Dr. Piper. Have a wonderful day and a happy Easter. All right. Blessings and happy Easter to you. You bet. Dr. Everett Piper has been my guest. He's a columnist for the Washington Times. You can Google his name. You'll find all of his articles and writings. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, Pastor Adam Weber from Embrace will be joining us. Can't wait.
730. Hi, I'm Ted Ross with the Faith in Life Minute. Many moms today are dealing with incredible pressure. Here's some encouragement from author and speaker Sherry Surrett. Don't do mom alone. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom or whether you're a mom who does work outside the home as well, your job as a mom is incredibly important, and you need to connect with other moms, with other reasonable voices who understand you and who can kind of help you come back down to reality about really what does it mean to be a good mom. There is no perfect to achieve. There is no such thing as the perfect mom. You need to be who God called you to be, and you need to be you as a mom, and you need to take time to realize who am I and what is it that I do best, and you lean into that. And you really do need to get your eyes off of other moms and stop the comparing. More from Sherry Surratt can be heard at MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome back to the show. So glad to welcome back Adam Weber. I need to do one of those genealogy things. I think we're related at some point. There's got to be somewhere down the line that we're related. He is a senior pastor of Embrace Church, and we're joining us uh, today. Adam, hi. Hello. It is good to be with you, and I dream about being a long-lost relative of you. <laughs> we need to do. We need to take one of these tests and find out. You might be my my father, maybe that, my that second dad. I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I just feel such a kinship with you that I I think well maybe we're related somewhere. There there has to be. I I said I just said my cheeks are already hurting and we haven't even started talking yet. So yeah. Well, I you must be a little bit tortured being a people person to be quarantined at home and then also probably be uh, doing online teaching. My wife actually just told me this last week, she's like, you are terrible at being quarantined. And I, I, I said, I didn't know you could be terrible at such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> You're going a little I nuts, aren't you? I sit on my front porch a lot, and I try to say hello to everybody who walks fast. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a joke, actually. No, I, I know truth. it's not. That's the truth. That's yeah. the truth. But I love that about you. Your family, you're kind of a front, uh, front porch guy. I mean, you like to be out and be accessible to people and neighbors, and I think that's a wonderful trait. Yeah, we, we have an old home. It's a 1907 home, and it's got a big, beautiful wraparound porch. Nice. And we are, if it's nice, I'm out on my front porch saying hello to people. Yeah, I love it. So what, uh, what is your message like for Sunday? Have you got it all, all ready to go, and can we get a little preview of it? Yeah, so this the last week for Palm Sunday, we started a series called The Pursuit. And I, I shared how we often talk about the day that we decided to follow Jesus and the time in our life that we started coming back to God. But what we, what we fail to acknowledge sometimes is, is how God first pursues us. And so we kind of took a different approach story-wise. Instead of looking at the actual Palm Sunday and even the actual Easter Sunday, we mentioned both of those things last week with Palm Sunday and Easter this Sunday. Um, we looked at two different stories. Last week, we looked at the story of Levi, the tax collector, mm-hmm. and, how, and how Jesus meets us where, where we are. He pursues us, and he loves us right where we are. And then this week, though, for Easter, we're looking at the story of Jairus and his daughter being sick and how 
Jesus meets us right where we are, but he loves us enough to not let us stay there. Mm. And so he, Jesus comes to Jerry's daughter, and, and the, the, the family is there grieving, and he said, there's no need to cry. She's, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And everyone, they start laughing, actually. They start laughing at Jesus, like, no, she's actually dead. And in normal situations with normal people, with normal doctors, that's, that's the reality. Dead people stay dead. But with Jesus and the power of God, um, that's no longer the truth. And so Jesus, he meets her right where, he, where she is, this little girl, but he loves her too much to let her stay there. And God does the same thing for us. He, he wants to change us. He wants to make us more like him. And Adam, isn't our faith stretched all the time? When I think of Jairus' daughter, he came to Jesus uh, and praying and hoping for a uh, healing from a fever. Now, all of a sudden, he's got to start believing him for maybe a resurrection from the dead. It does. Uh, in the trials of life, the highs and lows, even what we're walking through right now, it makes it puts our faith into action. And it's one thing to say, God, I love you, and you're so good. This last week, we sang a song about the goodness of God and just declaring who God is and how good he is. And one of our pastors said, it's one thing to say that when things are well, but when things are uncertain and scary, there's something so much more beautiful and rich about that when we're able to declare the goodness of God when what we see maybe isn't good. And Jarius, I just think about him, just like you said, at first it was just a fever. Mm-hmm. And then on the way to the house, the messenger comes and says, hey, it's too late. There's no need to even bother the teacher anymore because your daughter's dead. And Jesus says, no, have faith. I'm going to heal her. Yeah. And then when you think about medical triage, you always have to treat the patient that is in the, the most critical situation. And here this woman, you know, touched the cloak of Jesus who'd been hemorrhaging for 12 years. I would say it's kind of a chronic case. And she had spent everything she had, and Jesus addressed her versus racing to the house. You know, I think in in some circles that would be almost medical malpractice, wouldn't it? It would. I, I, that, that, I, I love that you're, you're sharing this part of the story. I actually don't get to share that, the, the part of the women who, woman who's bleeding, and yet that's so true. Um, I love that he notices her in the midst of this, I'm going to put it in quotes, emergency of this man's daughter, yeah. of how even in that he acknowledges someone touched me. And his disciples are like, what are you talking about? There's a huge crowd. Everybody's touching you. It's like the opposite of social distancing. It's like (laughs) everybody's touching you right now. And Jesus is like, no, there's one specific person who touched me. I know it. And instead of just kind of brushing her off, he stops and acknowledges this, this woman who, like you just shared, has given everything to try to find healing. And Jesus, the one, the great healer, is willing to stop and talk with her and even just the, the, uh, the Jesus being outside of time and God being outside of time limits. He's like, no, I still care about Jairus' daughter. He's right with me, and he's, he's most likely heartsick at this time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get over to the house. I still have a plan for her, and yet I love that he stops and is willing to take care of this woman as well. And I, I even wonder for us listening and just us, just even the both of us right now, who are the people during this time of being maybe preoccupied with what's going on and the changes around us? Who, who is the, the woman in the crowd that we can stop and just acknowledge, just take that moment of humanity 
in the midst of worrying about our economy, mm. you know, we're still even worrying about our health and, and, and you know, uh, everything changing and our plans for this weekend are maybe totally different. We're not getting together with our extended family. In the midst of like this huge thing going on around us, who are those, those simple needs and those simple people around us that we can just touch base with and go out of our way? Maybe it's a phone call to someone in a nursing home um, that can't see their family. And just say, hey, I just wanted to call you and say Happy Easter to you. Mm. And, you know, I think Adam of Jarius, I mean, he was a very important guy, had a lot of clout. So in the pecking order, he's at the top, and the woman with the uh, bleeding condition was at the bottom, and she shouldn't have been approaching him in the first place in public. She's taken a yeah. risk, but she was also willing to do a, you know, a grab and go. I mean, get a little yeah. of the power and get out of there. Yes. Well, I, what I love about her, and I think um, maybe for some of us, she's at that place of being desperate, right? In a, in a good sense, like uh, I think so many, so often, my pride keeps me from being desperate in a good way. Mm-hmm. That's and she's just like she said, I've tried everything. I see him. He just got off this boat off the Sea of Galilee. I'm gonna go to him, I, even if it's foolish, even if I get in trouble for trying to get to him. I'm going to go to him. And, and what I love about Jesus, again, Jesus in this moment, he's make, he makes the least important, the most important. Yeah. Like this, this woman has no status. Like there's no reason because of her condition, she's even less on the totem pole. And, and again, he's with Jerry. It's like, Oh man, go to go with him, his daughter. And Jesus just is such a wonderful way of making the least important person, the most important person. Adam, don't and you? Oh, I, so, I'm, yeah. so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, I just think that's powerful, and that's so different than how I live. I think all of us, we have people. Maybe it's in our career or something that we're like mutually excited about a hobby. And when you, the most important person is like the best. Like yeah. that's why I need to treat well. Yeah. That's why I need to care for. And Jesus is like, yeah, care for them, no doubt. But who are these least important people around you? Your the assistant the person who's working minimum wage, this person over here, um, the single mom, the single dad, like, how are you caring for them? How are you treating them? And I'm like, ouch, that hurts to hear. Yeah. If Jesus has an opportunity to be with an insider or an outsider, it seems that he always gravitates to the outsider first. Uh, the ones on the margins. He, he, he goes and he meets Levi at his tax collector booth, and then he goes out and hangs out with a bunch of notorious yahoos at Levi's house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he gravitates to the outsiders. I love that. I'm just, I do too. I do too. And that why I gravitate towards that is because I know what it feels like to be an outsider, you know? Whether it's a, a crowd of friends and you don't feel like you fit in, whether you're not the best at something, those moments of feeling like an outsider when you've had a mistake, like you screwed up. Like I just, I'm so thankful um, for this pastor here at least that I they, that Jesus gravitates towards the outsider because that's more often than not myself. Yeah, it is a powerful message and a great reminder for all of us to think of who might be on the margins right now. Who I'm sure you're hearing lots of testimonies from people in your church that are in, it, really in tough situations. Yeah, we we are, and I think with each day that passes, there's going to be more people. Whether it's losing jobs maybe a, a husband and wife are in their house and they've kind of done a really good job of ignoring each other 
and ignoring problems in their marriage, and now they're having to kind of face each other because they're quarantined in their house together. I think there's just a lot of people who just need so badly to someone to reach out and say, I'm praying for you. Even for me, it's been a really neat opportunity evangelism-wise. Um, there's been a couple of local business people that I've just had a huge heart for, um, people that I know don't know Christ. And during this time to reach out and to genuinely spend time praying before I do this, but to reach out and say, I just want you to know I prayed for you and your family and your your, your coworkers that you have on your team, like your employees. And, and the response back to that has been so powerful. Um, I really see these days that we're in right now, hearts are wide open to hear about Jesus. It's like people who wanted nothing to do with God are like, hey, can you tell me? Okay, just tell me about this Jesus guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, like you got my attention. Like, share, I, give, me, give me your spiel. Like, let me hear about Jesus. Well, Adam, you've got a real knack for that. And I want to celebrate your, uh, not only your desire to do that, but the fact that you act on it. And last Christmas, you sent me this lovely note just sort of thanking me for I don't know, whatever. It was really lovely. But it was a, a note that you had typed out on one of your old-fashioned typewriters. <laughs> and when you pull that out of the out of the envelope and you go, oh, this is an old-fashioned typewriter. He actually put this in and then couldn't make mistakes. And, and then he hand-signed it. And I think to myself, I'm putting this in a frame. Oh, no. Well, it's it's uh, it will devalue your office if you put it on a, in a frame on your. <laughs> well, I put it in a bottom drawer. I mean, I'm, so I put it in a frame, but then I put the frame in a bottom drawer. So. <laughs> no, I'm trying something I've been trying to do, and this has been for the last year and a half. Anytime I feel like God nudges me to do it, something, yeah. whether it's a note, whether it's putting chocolate chip cookies out on my front step, like a month or so back. No matter how foolish it is, I've just tried to say, yes, Lord. And some of the neat conversations um, that I just never cease to be blown away by how God uses something so simple. And so even when it's like uh, God nudges maybe someone who's who's listening right now to, to invite someone to church online or to pray for someone they know, like, God is so faithful, and he's so pleased when we step out in faith like that. Mm hmm Pastor Adam Weber is my guest. Uh, He's the lead pastor and founder of Embrace. We'll take a little break. When we come back, I pray he's still here. with Pastor Adam Weber. I hope he's still there. Adam, you there? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Good. What a relief. <laughs> I always sweat a little bit with you when I go to break. I hope he's back. I hope he's back. I hope he's is back. Is that guy, is he, is he still there? Is yeah. he still there? <laughs> yeah. So I love talking about uh, Jarius's daughter, and I find it so tender uh, when he gets to the house of Jarius, and they're laughing at him because, ha-ha, she's dead, and they're used to seeing dead people, you know, uh, yeah. so they, yeah. they know dead when they see it. And he goes to her room and kind of grabs her hand and says, sweetheart, get up. Just kind of the way your, you know, your mom might wake you up in the morning for school when you're in second grade. Yes, I, I, I love it, too. And, and one of the things that I, I find powerful about the crowd laughing 
is um, I'm guessing that there's some of us who uh, other people have maybe laughed that we can change, or maybe we've even laughed at ourselves of like, nope, that's just how you're always going to be. That that guy, he's just like his dad, and his dad was the same way. He's always going to be bitter. He's always going to be untrustworthy. And I, I think we've maybe had people who have laughed around us just like they laughed at Jesus. And yet I'm so thankful for just, just like you said, the gentleness of, of Jesus to approach us. And, and he doesn't laugh and he doesn't say we're too far gone or too dead spiritually. Instead, he just kindly and like, hey, get up. He even says that in a loud voice, he says, get up. Mm-hmm. I almost pictured it. I almost pictured it like a, a like a good coach mm-hmm. encouraging us from the enco- encouraging us from the sidelines. You might fall. No <laughs> worries. Get back up. Yeah. Get back up. You, you might screw up. No problem. Keep on going. You're doing good. And so I just think it's so cool that that Jesus does that. Yeah, Adam. How do we put some of these voices in our head that maybe been taunting us for a long time? You know, you talk about uh, transformation right now. We're you know we're saying that. Some people think that they'll never change or they can't change. And that's just not true because when God comes in and the Holy Spirit transforms you, you're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has arrived. Yeah, I I think it's such a great question. And you could even spin it and say, why why don't people change? Like if they want to, why, why don't people change? And it's almost the same question of why would someone ever stay in an abusive situation? Mm hmm. And well, well, you do because it's what you know. Even if it's not a good life, it's a known life. I know it. Um, you also do it because you, just like you mentioned, the voices you can't change. You're going right. to be just like your mom. Right. You're going to. This is just who you are. You made this one mistake, and it's going to define you. I, so I think, how do we change? We need to get so accustomed to the voice of God that in those moments of lies that his voice is louder than our voice, that his voice is louder than the people around Jesus laughing, just getting so in tune with the voice of God that we just hear that in that moment of doubts and questions. Even this week, I've really felt insecure and inadequate to be used and to share a message on Sunday. I don't know why. I just, I've been struggling that more than, than normal this week. And so I'm like, God, what does your voice have to say? And so I, I think the more tuned we come with the voice of God, the better. So how do we become more tuned with the voice of God? More time just opening up his word and, and reading more about him. Just reading this story out of Luke 8 and becoming so accustomed to God's voice and what he says and what's, what's true. Just even spending more time just talking with God throughout our day. Maybe it's, maybe it's time on our front porch. Maybe it's going on a walk and at night and looking at the stars. Um, just becoming more and more accustomed to, to who God is and his promises and his voice and what he has to say. And then I think the other thing is not being alone. You know, we're, we're, we're supposed to have social distance. I think that's probably the worst term possible. We don't need to be socially distanced. We need to be physically distanced from each other. Um, humans are wired from interaction. I've even, so I'm a high introvert. I'll talk to anybody. The, 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 so I'm a high extrovert. Uh, the introverts in my life, I'm seeing them right now crave relationships. Like just, I need people. People who are like, you're as high introvert as it can be are saying, I need people. Like I need interaction. And so how can we change? We need people around us. And maybe that's a Zoom call. Maybe that's FaceTiming with somebody. 
uh, on a regular basis, but just having someone that we can be honest with and say, hey, I'm trying to change in this area. I don't like the decisions I make on Friday nights when I'm, when I'm with friends. And, and I put myself in bad positions. Can, can you help me, help me stay accountable? Mm. Um, would you, or would you want to hang out via Skype? Again, this is such a bizarre time. Would you want to Skype on Friday nights? Cause that's when I really struggle with temptation. Even if we could just Skype for 15, 20 minutes. Um, I, I think, I think that's another huge step is just not doing it alone. Having somebody else, uh, speak into us and say, you're no longer the same person. Yeah. There's God, a- is, God has changed you. There's that Adam Weber humility and transparency coming through once again. Seriously, oh, well, I love that, and well, it goes. I goes well, back to the. Yeah. It goes back to the Jairus and the woman, who in the passage in Luke it says, "When then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet." <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I think she wanted to get something from Jesus and get out of there. And, you know, yeah. Jesus want, wanted her to then go and go in peace and tell people. And I think, yeah, that, that's, that's, we have this new hope. We have a transformed life. We have to go tell people. We, we do. We can't keep it to our, ourselves. We, uh, like I was just sharing, we, we need other people to speak it into us, just to have someone else say, hey, Adam, you fell. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't define you. Right. And this is a battle that you've fought your whole life, but I'm just telling you, by the power of God, you're no longer the same person. And then, once God has, has met us, once God is beginning to change us, I mean, the, like, from day one, He wants to use us. But it's like, but I'm still broken. How can God use me? That's why He can use you. It's because you are broken, and He's making you whole. I, 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 it's been so exciting. Just recently, we've had just a, a wave of, we had a baptism Sunday the week before services started shutting down places mm-hmm. and the testimonies of these people and them being willing to share. Um, th- there's one, one person specifically, I got to talk about this last Sunday. She let me share a part of her story. And I just told her, I said, you have no idea how many people are noticing what God's doing inside you. Mm. And she said, well, I just feel like I'm so inadequate to be used. And I, I just said, your baptism post that you posted on Instagram, I, 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 will, I, I know God is going to have so many stories out of that where people just reach out and say, hey, can you tell me about what's changed in you? Hey, you mentioned this church. I joined it for the first time online. Can, I just got questions about God. Would you, would you help me to find answers? And, and she might not know all the answers. I, I told her that. She's like, what if people ask me questions? And I said, I constantly get questions I don't know the answer to. And so you just say, gosh, that's a great question. I actually don't know. But I'll try to, I'll try to find out, too. And, and you search, and we'll come back together and, and talk about it. And tell her if, and you, so it, oh, and tell her if she wants to uh, really look foolish, get a radio show. <laughs> that's exactly. Get a radio show or become a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> That if you fear looking foolish, you're going to, you know, you'll find out exactly what it feels like. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah, I just feel every single week feel like, uh, who is the, who are they letting be the pastor this week? Oh, my gosh. Pray for that guy. Pray for that guy. So give us, can you give us a little bit, we have a couple minutes left. Can you give us a little uh, tease from her testimony? It sounds pretty cool. Her testimony, yeah. So her name's Hannah, and again, she gave me permission to share this last Sunday, and so I'm not sharing anything I, I shouldn't be. She started coming. Uh, she's a radiologist student here in, in, in town, 
she, a coworker of hers told her about Embrace. Again, just the power of an invite. You know, and I don't personally know that coworker of hers as that mentioned, but I, I just like think about like God being so pleased, even with that little seed. And maybe she didn't even think it was a big deal to tell Hannah about church. But so Hannah came and her very first Sunday here, um, she, she said, the, the person on stage, she's like, I don't even know who it was, said, we're so glad that you're here. And she said, all I could think was, you're glad that I'm here? Hmm. That, like, m- me? Wow. And she said, I'm a nobody. I'm new to town. I'm all alone. Uh, and she said, I'm definitely not dressed in my Sunday's best. I don't look like what you should look like when you come into church. And you're glad that I'm here? And she said, we started singing. And she's like, I couldn't contain myself. I just found myself just sobbing. Wow. And God just began to heal her from the inside out. Um, she shared that she was going through just a really, really dark season, a dark place. And, and so she came and um, she just started coming week after week after week. God began to heal her in some really cool ways and then ended up getting baptized. And that, that morning, she just basically said, I want to start over. I don't want to live the life I'm living. I want to be, an, I want to be a new creation. And God has done that. And I want to publicly declare that. And it was just amazing to hear um, just the power of a story. And for me, looking at Easter Sunday, the power of an invite That's... of just that co that coworker, just mention it this, this Sunday, what, the simplest way to invite a whole bunch of people, you just click one button. It's called the share button on Facebook yeah. and share it. And you just never know the ripple effects of what God will do. Amen. Adam Weber, you're a good man. Thanks for being on the show and happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. Thanks for, for all you do and for speaking to me and the life of so many others. You bet. Have a great Easter. We'll be uh, Thanks for listening. Just a Programming In like this is made Beverly available Canaris. through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.